Okay, we're notorious for starting late. We're actually a minute and a half early. So we're gonna get started, making up that lost time. Okay, I only have a couple of announcements tonight. One is uh, the f ice cream fellowship that we're having next week after service is in the fellowship hall. Now I've had people ask, is it gonna be at the pavilion? It will not be. Because the ice cream would not be ice cream, it would just be hot milk. So uh, it's in the fellowship hall. And then I've been asked to announce candy, candy, candy for our trunk or treat deal. Uh, start bringing lots of candy because we plan on having a lot of kids and a lot of people here. We want to give out a lot of candy. Um, one more thing I want to mention, and it's been mentioned several times, is uh, background checks. Because if you want to work with the kids, you have to have a background check. And we don't want it to come to a point where well, I thought I could work with them, and you can't, and you want to, but you got to have the background check. And, I mean, that's me and my wife and everybody else that wants to work with the kids. So, please, if you want to work with the kids, and we want you to, get, get a form and fill it out for the background check. Okay, um, that's really, I'm not going to go through all the, this morning's announcements, so that's really all the announcements that I have this evening. But if Pastor has something he wants to bring up before we do the offering. So I want to pray for Kara's uh, daughter, Jordan. And uh, right now she's in California. They just had a 5.5 earthquake there. 
and now they got that tropical storm coming in so we want to pray for her daughter so let's pray for safety for him and then also my sister there's a fire that's about five miles from her home thankfully it hasn't reached yet she lives north of Spokane uh, but there's fires going on everywhere in Washington State and part of Oregon so let's just pray for him father I pray for Jordan right now as she's in California and this 5.5 earthquake along with this tropical storm coming. <clears throat> I pray, Father, for her protection. Lord, I pray for that there's no loss of life. I pray, Lord, that you will use this uh, to help with some of their drought issues. God, what the enemy makes for bad, you can make for good. And I pray that this moisture would head up towards Oregon and to Washington. Lord, there are godly people that still live in those states, and I just pray for your anointing to fall on them. And I pray that those that don't know you, this will be an opportunity to, for them to come to Christ. Again, you are here with us, and you're there with them. There's no distance. You're omnipresent. You're everywhere. And we pray your anointing on them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand? Well, we can do it standing. That's fine. I'll help you. Yeah, we can. <laughs> okay. I do want to say, uh, he's talking about the rain coming. The, the, you know, God's word tells us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Yeah. And no matter what kind of people live up there, the rain can fall on them and he can bring it. And uh, so there's also one more announcement. There's plenty of opportunity to serve. Take one of those opportunities. Uh, lots of sign-up sheets out on the four-year desk. Sign up for something. Get involved. This is your church. It's, it's really God's church, but we serve him right here. So let's, let's serve him well. Um, okay, so everybody's standing up, ready to sing, and we're going to take an offering. Something good. 
check and see what they're doing but when it gets quiet in the presence of God when we know when we know that he's leading our path and when it's quiet we can just wait we can just wait for the outcome father we wait for the outcome tonight God father we know you're up to something God we know you're up to something father and your word says that you are good so we're gonna wait God for that something good in the name of Jesus, amen.
is where I lay it down. Every burden, every ground. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to, Lord, I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, Lord. Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. Here is where I lay it down. 
someone that you can look at and you can look to. But when you look to him, follow him as he follows Jesus. Yes. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. We're not following a man. We're not following a denomination. We're not following anything but the Lord God Almighty, his Savior, the Lord Jesus yes. Christ, and his Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. Open up. Let go of what you're holding on to that you think is so important and turn it to me. Follow me with all of your heart. As I told the children of Israel through my servant Joshua, heed my word. Follow my word. Keep my word and I will make your way prosperous. You don't do it in yourself. You can't. Father, we just take this moment to uh, just take this moment right where you're at and submit to his lordship. It's one thing to call Jesus your savior. It's another thing to call him your lord, your master. The word that kept coming to my mind as we were worshiping is the word Selah that's used in the Psalms. It's, it, it's, a, it's a musical, uh, it's part of music that they believe that means pause. To take a moment to pause. So, Father, we pause right now and we submit to your direction. Just give everything to Him. Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. I want to say thank you to those that are obedient and listening to the Lord. It's well, it's great to hear from the Lord. So, all right. Well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Anybody get a cat nap? I got a ten-minute one. I I went right. It's rare that you go into REM sleep that quick, and then I got a phone call. 
That was my sister. <laughs> it was a good thing, yeah. Huh? Her house is okay right now. Um, so just keep praying. Yeah, that's an answer to prayer. I mean, she's really nervous. They just bought this house last year. So, um, all right. Well, if you have your Bibles, look. Uh, go with me to the book of James. We're in a series called Faith in Motion. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. There is a couple of people have posted this history. In the middle of all of that devastation, that fire has created, the aftermath, there is a church. Yes. Sitting in the middle of all of that mess. Absolutely standing perfectly like it should be. Yeah, yeah, I saw the picture. It didn't get touched by the fire. The fire went around the whole church. But not one part of the church was touched. Yeah. That's America. And be praying for them too, because I guess there's there's uh, containers with stuff for the needy, and they're not letting them have it. So just keep them in prayer. Yeah, it's it's a sad thing. But before I get started tonight, before we pray, I wanted to share something with you. Now understand, before I show you this slide, it's just a slide. I am not saying that Jesus is coming next month. But I always get excited this time of year because it's called what we call the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah. I probably didn't pronounce it right. But the reason why I say that is because Jesus, Jesus, oh, you can't see it, man. Can you, oh, you guys can see it. I looked at it and it's like small. But, all right, well, any of the ways, I got to look at this one. So Jesus fulfilled all the spring feasts and the church fulfilled Pentecost. And God's a God of order. So I'm not saying that he's going to come next month. Understand that before somebody goes, oh, pastor says Jesus is coming next month. No, I'm not saying that. But I always look forward to this time of year because it's called the Feast of Trumpets. And I just picked this one up off the picture. They just happened to put the rapture. We don't know if that's the case or not, okay? You all understand that, right? right. I, I'm covering myself here. But that feast is also known as the no one knows the day or the hour feast because they have to wait for the full moon to come up. It's also the Feast of Trumpets. So it's something for you to think about and get excited about September 15th through the 17th. So, you know, who knows? It could be next spring, too, though. You never know. So I'm just letting you guys know. So, all right. Oh, do you need me to? I, that, I didn't flip it yet, did I? Yep, I did. Hold on, I'll go back. You guys want to take a picture of that? There we go. Sorry about that. So it's something for you to investigate. I was watching actually an Israeli uh, a Jewish uh, Messianic Jew talking about, talk about that. And there's a lot of Messianic Jews that believe that that will be fulfilled. So we don't know. I think it will be awesome though. Wouldn't that be great? But if not, hey, the Lord tarries. Again, I'm not setting dates. <laughs> I want to make sure that. I don't want that on the, on the TV. Hey, pastor set a date. No, I'm not one of those that sets dates. All right, so let's. In your Bibles, go with me to James uh, chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 26 and 27, and then chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. So James chapter 1, starting in verse 26, says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
My brothers, chapter 2, verse 1, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin or can and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. But whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he said, do not commit adultery. Also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do not, uh, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we study uh, the book of James this evening, I pray, Father, that you will help all of us to put it into practice. I think that's the hardest thing sometimes for us. God, I pray that the power of the anointing and the Holy Spirit will help us to mature in our walk with you, to practice what your word says by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, as your vessel tonight, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me what you want to say. And help us all to learn together. I'm up here learning as, long, uh, as well as them. You're speaking to all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've titled the message, What is Pure Religion? Well, James says, pure religion is keeping a tight rein on what? Your tongue. Now when we get to chapter 3, he's going to talk about the tongue. I mean, the tongue can cause lots of problems. Anybody know somebody that causes lots of problems with their tongue? There is life and death in the power of the tongue. You can lift people up or tear them down. You can say positive things or negative things. How many of us are negative of, are, are, are guilty of saying negative things? And about other people? How many of us are good at saying positive things? Well, I hope so, right? Man, I only got a few of hands. Good thing I'm preaching on this tonight. <laughs> you know, we all have to work on these things. You know, we... We tend to focus as human beings on the negative and not the positive, right. even in our own life. So James says, keep a tight rein on your tongue. Look at verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Right. Look what this says. This is Barclay. Anybody know who William Barclay is? A really uh, a famous uh, uh, theologian, and he writes in his commentary, we must be careful to understand what James is saying here. The Revised Standard Version translates the, phrase, the phrases at the beginning of James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled is, the word translated religion is this word. I'm not going to say it, I can't say it. And its meaning is not so much religion as worship in the sense of the outward expression of religion, 
in ritual and liturgy and ceremony. What James is saying is the finest ritual and the finest liturgy you can offer to God is service of the poor and personal purity. To him, real worship did not lie in elaborate vestments or magnificent music or in a carefully wrought service. It lay in the practical service of mankind and in the purity of one's own personal life. It is perfectly possible for a church to be so taken up with the beauty of its buildings and the splendor of its liturgy that it has neither the time nor the money for practical Christian service and that that is what James is condemning. One time I named this series uh, Pulling No Punches because James pulls no punches. He tells you as it is. So basically what he's saying is we need to keep a tight rein on our tongue. And that's hard for us to talk. If you're a quiet person, you don't have that problem sometimes. I mean, once in a while, right? But for somebody that says lots of words, you, we got to be careful of what we say. What, it, what is said with the tongue is really what is in the heart. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Hold your spot here in James. Go with me to Matthew chapter 12. sure if I put it up there I think I, I did Matthew chapter 12 verses 33 through 37 look what Jesus says again Jesus called the crowd to him and said listen to me everyone and understand this well when Jesus says understand this he means pay attention you know I, I've said that before when you have your kid you know you're talking to your kids or even my even my parents today sometimes my dad will say hey pay attention you never stop being a parent right Pay attention. He says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. He's talking about food, right? The things that you eat. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. So it's the things that come out of our hearts. And I don't know if I read. Did I read all that scripture there? Did, it? Did I put Matthew, Mark? Okay, well, we got it, right? Yeah, I did. It was Mark. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm in, let me read chapter 12, Matthew 12. I, I was getting away from my notes. Sorry about that. We do make mistakes up here as pastors sometimes. So Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37. Look what it says. Make a, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by what? Its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart... The mouth speaks. The good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart or up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that the men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be what? Condemned. Now these are the words of the Lord. He's saying, listen, we got to be careful what we say. James says the same thing. We need to be careful what our tongue does. If you say, I'm a believer in Christ, but there's certain words coming out of your mouth, you need to check your relationship with God. Foul language. When we get saved, we're to get rid of what? Foul language. Somebody upsets you, does something that you don't like. What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? I'm speaking to all of us here. So usually when there's one finger pointing, there's three pointing back. But it's true. 
True, pure religion is saying, hey, I'm going to be careful what I say. There is power in our words. In fact, this is not my notes, but hold your spot in James. I, we're, we were in Matthew, but go with me real quick to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. This is how strong words are. Let's start in verse 6. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. God speaking to Joshua says this. Right when he's getting ready to lead the... He's taken over for Moses. Moses has died and he's getting ready to lead them into the promised land. I'm sure Joshua was scared. And he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your what? Everybody say lips or mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Why am I saying that there's power in your, in, in your words? Because God's word is powerful. And he says that when we confess God's word, we meditate. Remember I told you about this. Meditation is the idea of cows chewing cud. That they don't get all the nutrients out of the, the grass, so they have to chew it, swallow it. My, life, my wife loves this word, and they regurgitate it. We call that acid reflux. But they do that to get all the nutrients. What he's saying is ponder, think about, speak about. And, and it literally means to murmur out loud God's word. So when you speak God's word, there's life. But if you speak death over people, there's death. You speak death over somebody's life. You, you talk bad about somebody. Believers aren't supposed to be doing that. And we've all done that. If you haven't, then you're now you're lying this, tonight, right? But we all have. And, and so what God wants us to do is to change the way we talk about each other. That's what pure religion is. So again, I want to read Mark, uh, Mark again. Mark chapter 7, and thank you for that correction earlier. Mark chapter 7, I'm going to read it again. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand. Again, pay attention. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Again, Matthew said, out, uh, Jesus said in Matthew, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are you filling your heart with? What's coming out of you should tell you where your relationship is with God. And that goes for me, too. God, what do you need to change in me? How do I respond to people? You always know you're hitting, a, hitting something touchy when it gets really quiet. Remember the saying? I've got to get used to this. Oh, it's got a little. Remember this old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Yeah, sticks and stones can break my bones, but that heals a whole lot faster than what somebody says over your life or what you hear. That can stay with you for the rest of your life. I, I, I wonder if I got a show of hands. How many of you guys remember some kid saying something mean over you as your kid? See, it sticks with you. You remember that. I had a, I had a, kin, a first grade teacher, a 
I'm not going to mention her name, but I can, well, maybe I, I don't know. I don't even know if she's alive. But the, I, I, my favorite Christmas story, now, again, there's, some, there's a few things, in the, and I, you're probably going to say, Pastor, you watched that? But Chris, the Christmas story is my favorite Christmas movie. I've, I still am waiting for my wife to get me the leg lamp to put in the window. <laughs> it is. It's my favorite Christmas movie because it reminds me of my childhood. There's, there's a lot of similarities, you know. And the, there's the teacher, the teacher that's in that, in that movie, her name was Mrs. Kuhn. Well, guess who my first grade teacher's name was? And there was, it was at the same time. And uh, I remember her telling me in fifth grade, if I could have held you back one more year, I would have done it. Now, when a teacher says that to a kid, what do you think that does to them? You know, I was acting up. I was being a fifth grader. But evidently, I did something that she didn't like. And that sticks with you. And that bothered me for quite a long time. I used to think I'm dumb, I'm stupid because of what she said. Yeah. It took a while before God healed me of that. That's why we have to be careful what we say, especially about brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Listen, we're all made in the image of God. Yeah. And it's easy for us to get upset and start spouting off. I've done it, you've done it. So, again, words do hurt, and they can bring life and death. You guys know all this scripture. How many of you guys know this scripture? Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now, look at this. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That means whatever you're speaking into somebody else's life, you're going to eat the fruit of that. You reap what you what? Sow. You reap something into somebody else's life, it's going to come back to you. So we need to be really careful what we say. Because you're going to eat the fruit of that. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna produce fruit and you're going to harvest that fruit and it's going to be a part of your life. That's what the scripture says. Look, the tongue has the power of life and death. Everybody misses this part of it. They always say the, the tongue has power, the, the power of life and death. And those who love it. So which one are you going to love? Life or death? And whatever one you eat, it's going to affect your life. Our tongue can produce good fruit in our lives or bad fruit in our lives. So what is pure religion? Number one, it's keeping a tight ring on our tongue. Let's go back to James here. Number two, it's taking care of orphans and widows. Religion, verse 27, James 1, 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's number three. We'll look at it in a minute. But God looks at orphans and widows. He, he, there's something about it that he looks at. Hey, can I tell you something? All of us were orphans. Before we came to Christ, we were orphans. We've been adopted into the family of God. God looks at orphans and widows. And I'm talking about real orphans. There's something about because they're, they're helpless. There's nobody to help them. I love it when you see foster parents or somebody that adopts a child. He, I mentioned Steve Shoup, one of the missionaries that we had up in uh, the Northwest Ministry Network. They call it, that, that's called Network. It's district down here. Same thing. But remember I told you that he had retired and he thought he was done. Oh, I'm retired. I get to go. He was, said he was getting ready to go on a trip with his wife. And then God said, no, I want you to adopt this little, little kid over here. And so it, when he retired, he adopted a child, and now he's been adopting children. 
So you never know what God is going to do in your life. But you know what? God loves the orphans and the widows. In fact, he would rather us take care of them, and get this, than be all pious and churchy. Do you get that? God wants to see church in action. So that was number two. I want to read Zechariah chapter 7. I think I, I might have it. No, let me see if I put it up here. I didn't. So go to Zechariah chapter 7, verses 8 through 14. Everybody have their swords tonight? I kind of let you cheat sometimes. I put it up on the screen. <laughs> but Zechariah chapter 7, look at verses 8 through 14. And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts, do not think evil of each other. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they, when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. I scattered them with the whirlwind among the nations where they were strangers. The land was left so desolate behind that, that no one could come or go. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. Think about it. One of the areas is that they did not show justice and mercy and compassion towards one another. And they oppressed the widow and the fatherless and the poor and the alien. God looks at those things. He looks at the poor. And I, my girls know this story. But when we were, again, up in Abernathy one time, up in Longview, we came to, there's a lot of homeless up there. If you ever visit Portland... In Seattle, it's like homeless cities everywhere. So there's so many panhandlers, you don't know which one to give money to. You don't know which ones are actually wanting money or they're going to do something with it. And the drug problems are horrible up there. It's just So we were at a stoplight. And McDonald's was over here, and I saw a guy that was homeless. And I felt like the Lord said, give him something. And I went, oh, that's just me. And then my girls go, hey, Dad, that guy over there is homeless. Can we get him something? I said, no, I think you'll be all right. And I went through the light, and the Lord says, you can turn around. <laughs> then one of my little girls goes, but, Dad, you can turn around. <laughs> they, I don't know if they remember that. But so we turned around. Stacy remembers that. We went over, and, you know, I went into McDonald's and bought them a, a meal. Yeah, but, you know, God looks at them. We don't know. If we're going to entertain an angel. One time in high school, I worked at KFC. I'd worked at McDonald's, quit McDonald's, went over to KFC. I liked working at McDonald's a whole lot better. But I was in there, and I got $5 for a Christmas gift from the lady, that, uh, from our manager. And right then, a lady walked in and, and said, hey, I'm really hungry. You know, I'm not asking for money. I just need some food. And, and because of health department laws, you can't give them the food that, that you throw away that's over, over the time limit. Which really bothers me. But God said, you, you got that $5. You know, it, money went a lot farther even then. It probably went farther when you guys were kids than it does now. But, you know, I went ahead and bought her a meal for 5 bucks, And I forgot to give her something. And I ran outside and was looking for her and she was gone. 
The Bible says we don't know if we've entertained angels. So we got to be really careful how we treat people. So your religion, do you take care of people? Do you put it in the practice? And that's what James is saying. He's basically saying, put, put your money where your mouth is, put your, put, you know, where the rubber meets the road, and put your religion in the practice. Help and bless people. Minister to people. Look what James 4.4, 4, this is number three. Keep oneself from being polluted with the world. Let's go back to James here. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. So number one is keep a tight rein on your tongue. Number two, if you consider yourself religious, take care of the fatherless, the orphan, and the widows. And then look at this, in their distress to keep oneself from being polluted by the what? World. World. Uh, let me go back to widows too. Hey, widows need to be ministered to. In Longview, we, we had a lot of widows, didn't we? And we, we tried to make references or tried to make a ministry with us deacons to go around and minister to them. Because even widowers, they're lonely. Their spouse that they've been married to for 30, 40, 50 years is no longer there. And they need somebody to minister to them. They need love. All right. Third thing, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Look what James 4.4 4 says. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't live in the world. We all live in this world. We live here. What it means is don't let the world start to change you. You change the world. Right? right? right. We, we don't want the world to change us. What we want to do is we change the world. The problem with the church today is the world is changing the church. Right. The, the world is affecting the church. In fact, you can say the world is evangelizing to the church. Ooh. And they're winning. We need to do the opposite. So keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is not in my notes, but go with me real quick to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he says here, do not conform any longer to the pattern of what? This world. That means, again, don't do what the world's doing. Be different. Be different. Some of you guys are like, I already know this, Pastor. Great, are you teaching others to do that? That's called mentorship, discipleship. How many of you guys have somebody you're discipling? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> My daughter raised her hand. <laughs> if you want to know what God's good and pleasing, perfect will is for your life, don't conform any longer to the power of this world, but begin to read God's word transformed. Metamorphosis. Renew your mind with his word. Get into the Word, and God will tell you what it is. Listen, you know His voice. How many of you guys are born-again believers tonight? Can I tell you, if you're born again, you know the voice of the Lord. You know His voice. 
I was, I was talking to my mom the other day. Actually, it was my dad that I was talking to when we were on our way down here after we candidated. And I was, he said, yeah, your mom just had that knack of when she would feel like, don't stop at this gas station. And I, and I, and, or, or she would say, stop at this gas station. And I wouldn't do it. We'd run out of gas. And I said, well, dad, that's because she has Jesus in her and she knows his voice. You know his voice. Listen to his voice. And the more you get into his word, the more you pray, the more you worship, the more you're going to recognize his voice, the more you're going to know what his will is for your life. Amen. So he says, what is pure religion? Keeping a tight ring on your tongue. Watch what you say. Taking care of orphans and widows and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The next one, what is pure religion? Not showing favoritism. Go with me to chapter 2 here, James chapter 2. He says, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show what? Favoritism. How many of you guys know who uh, Jimi Hendrix is? Yeah. Do you know Jimi Hendrix came into a church once, and he had no shoes on, he had bell bottoms, you know, that was during the hippie days. And they turned him away because he wasn't dressed right. And what happened after that? He died of a drug overdose. We got to be really careful that we don't treat those people that don't look like we look. We got to be real careful of that because pure religion's of the heart, not how we're dressed. Because the Pharisees dress great. You know that. You know what a phylactery is. They'd carry these big boxes on their heads with the scripture in it. And they would wear big robes. And on the end of their robe, that's why when you remember the woman with the issue of the blood, they, uh, they had little uh, 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 threads in blue and white that represented the word of God and little balls on them. Sometimes they'd have bells on them and it represented life. It represented the word. So when the lady reached out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she was basically reaching out to touch life. That's faith. And while the Pharisees would wear big, long robes with big phylacteries on their head, I mean, that would be funny looking anyways, a big old box on your head. But they did this to make themselves look like they were what? Holy. But true holiness is how you live your life. I know many of, many of Christians who are older, and I don't know if that's grammatically correct or not. I was sitting there thinking if that was right or not. But there are lots of Christians today. They've been in church their whole life, but their maturity level is still down here. We, we've got to be careful, like offenses. How many of us get offended so easily? Somebody says something or does something. Oh, my goodness. What's going to happen when persecution really does come? That must be the Lord speaking because I didn't have that on my mind to speak about. But it says don't show favoritism. How do you keep yourself from showing favoritism? Love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look at what he says here. Verse 2, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Then he says, listen, my dear brothers, 
Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? James is saying, hey, these rich people that are your favoring, they're, they're the ones taking you to court. We have a celebrity problem in America. We've made heroes out of sports players and singers and all this stuff. You know what the true heroes in my heart is? Those that have died on the battlefield. Those are true heroes. One of my favorite movies is Hacksaw Ridge. That's a true story. That guy saved how many lives and lowered them down. That's a true. My grandfather, who served in World War II, I got a book with his picture in it on a landing craft. The problem is we put people, and I find it interesting, God said this, we put people up on pedestals. I'm no better than you, you're no better than me. There's no respecter of persons to God. What God wants is us to walk in truth and grace and kindness and love, and that's what it is. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. It's showing love. Are we perfect at it? Are we going to make, make mistakes at it? You bet. Look what this says in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That goes right with what God said tonight. I had no, he had no idea what I wrote tonight. Are you loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength? Is he number one in your life? Are things more important, position more important? Family more. Do you know we can put our spouse and our grandkids and our kids above God? Do you know why we have a problem with kids not going to church today? Because we put the church, the church used to be the center of the community. When they would build a community, when they build towns, they would actually put the church as the center and build it. That's why they all look like tire spokes. Now we put the school as the center of the community and God's in the back burner. Go look at your quarter now. The old quarters had, got, had, our, had Washington facing in God we trust. The new quarters has his back towards the name in God we trust, the, the words. The new quarters. So are you loving God with all of your being? And then it says this, the second is this, love your neighbor as what? Yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus loved us more than we could love ourselves. Jesus loved us more than himself. Did you know these are, when Jesus says the two greatest commandments, that's the Ten Commandments summed up. The first four deal with God. You have that part right. You have your relationship with God. That's why I always mention this, the cross, right? The way that it's shaped. The first four deal with God. You get those first four right, the next six are easy. Because your vertical determines your horizontal. That means some areas in my life, man, i got to get some areas right in the four. I'm just speaking for me. My kids can attest that, right? <laughs> Listen, that's true. Your vertical determines your horizontal. You get your, hor your vertical right, then you can affect those around you. I I'm going to go into something else. I, I know I'm going a little far tonight, but if you look at the tribes, when God set up the tribes, the tabernacle. Now, this is interesting. Go, go study this. The tabernacle, remember they went in a tent. God had Moses build a tent and melt the tabernacle, had the showbread, the table of incense. He had, he had, uh, 
he had the, the menorah. Remember the, the, the seven lampstand menorah in there? This, this thing was the center of the community. And then he put the tribes around it. North, south, east, and west. Judah's tribe, and I can't remember the other two tribes, had more people in it. So when you looked at it, you had the shape of a cross. God, and, and the cross didn't come about until the Romans. God already had a plan. He was already thinking about loving you and loving me. Go do the numbers. You'll see the numbers. And when you put the numbers together, you'll see that God had already created a cross. And in the center of that was the Holy of Holies. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That You know your soul is made up of your mind, emotion, and wills. Is your will in line with God's will? Are you, are you uh, submitting your will to His will? Are, are your emotions submitted to Him? Is your thought life submitted to Christ? And then with all your mind and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So how would you want to be treated? That's the question, right? How would you want to be treated? All of us want to be treated great, don't we? How many of us love somebody talking bad about us? Or maybe you're just getting to that age, you just don't care anymore, right? <laughs> and I'm sorry it's hot in here. I don't know why the air conditioning's not going down, because I was hot too earlier. So. James says that when we show favoritism, we become judges with evil thoughts. That's what he says there. When we show favoritism, we become judges with evil thoughts. Verse 4, look. He says, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You may say, well, I don't have that problem of showing favoritism. Well, only you can answer that question, right? Then he says here, when we show favoritism, when we show favoritism, then we are looking at the outward appearance and not at the heart. I talked about this this morning. When God chose David, he didn't look at the outward appearance. He looked at what? The heart. Remember, where David was at with the sheep, he probably was stinky. He probably smelled. And if you don't know much about sheep, shepherds, they would actually sleep out there with the sheep. And they would go days upon days out with the sheep. So that means no bath. Here comes this rudy little handsome boy that's all dirty and nasty coming up to Samuel. And God says, that's the man. So when God looks at your heart, what does he see? We're not going to read that scripture. I was going to show it. So David Gusick says this, To show partiality shows a selfish streak in us. Usually we favor the rich man over the poor man because we believe we can get more from the rich man. He can do favors for us that the poor man can't. I'm going to share one story, and I heard this story. There was a poor man in Australia. He was poor. And he would walk up to people and just say, when you die, are you going to heaven or hell? And that's all he would say. Well, he ended up on his deathbed. He was in the hospital. And all these people flooded into his room. And because he said that to them, all those people had given their lives to Jesus. Yeah, that's a clap offering. So... Don't misjudge who's ministering to you or who's speaking to you. Let's go to Galatians 
again, chapter 2. Let's look at verses 11 and 12, or 11 through 14. <clears throat> For he said, do not commit adultery, and also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do, do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy means giving, uh, giving something they don't deserve. There are, we all deserve hell, but God doesn't give it to us. How, do we show mercy to others? And I'm speaking to myself. Do I show mercy to others? Do you speak mercy? Do you show mercy to others? When they wrong you, do you show mercy? When they say something to you, do you show mercy to them? Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith and has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Verse 16, if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? It's kind of like, hey, I'll be praying for you. God says, but you got 10 bucks in your wallet. Yeah, but Lord, I was going to use that for soda pop and go over to McDonald's get me a burger. In the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. What he's saying is, put, put your religion into what? Practice. Do what the Word says. Boy, this wouldn't preach well today, would it? In some, some circles. But that's okay. It's God's word. And so for tonight, for all of us, this is a reminder to me and to you. Are we practicing pure religion? That's what James is saying. He's saying that to the church, remember, that was scattered. I mean, he was still being a pastor. Yeah, I'm not with you, but I'm going to write some letters. Oh, there's some correction that needs to be taken here, and this needs to be done, and... <laughs> A lot of us don't take correction very well, do we? How many of us love correction? Do you guys mind one, one last scripture before I put you to sleep? <laughs> All right. I shared this a couple weeks ago, but I want to share it again. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. This was actually in our study this morning. It's about God's discipline. God corrects us. So Hebrews chapter 12, this is not up on the screen, this is just an extra verse for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, and it says, And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So as you listen to the word of God, if you're feeling conviction tonight, that's good. Praise the Lord. That means God is dealing with you, right? That's called discipline. That's correction. Now look at this, verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. Sometimes it's, a, it's an enduring thing. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Verse 8, look at this. Now this is a key point. If you are not disciplined, take note of this, folks, and everyone undergoes discipline, 
then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. If you're not disciplined by God the Father and you haven't been for a while, I would be checking my relationship with Jesus. Because he says he's going to discipline us. Now understand, God's discipline isn't designed to destroy us. It's to make us more like Jesus. Verse 9, look at this. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Hint, hint, respect our fathers for their discipline, right? How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. It goes on to say, without holiness, none of us will see the Lord. So God is creating. Listen, we're already made holy. He's perfected forever those who are being made holy. That's called progressive sanctification. It means being set apart. That God is sanctifying us every day. Why do you think he puts people on your path that you don't like? He puts people that drive you crazy. But God, you don't understand what they're doing to me. Yeah, I do, because I put them there. So that all that junk would come out of you and you would be changed, that dross. So that you would reflect my son's image. Verse 11 no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Trials, hardships, they're not pleasant. They can be painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness or right standing and peace. Now, here's the key for those who have been trained by it. That means you've got to allow God to do that work in you. Sometimes we don't want God to do it. But God, I don't want you dealing with me in this area. Okay, I'll take my hand off. You're going to go through some more stuff. And God will, God will deal with you again on it. You may have to go around that mountain 30 or 40 times till you get it. That's a no-fail policy. Right? And God, if you think you're going to run from things, God will keep putting people in your path. You know, God was dealing with me some issues. He's still dealing some, with some healing issues in my heart. And, I, and I'll share it with you. So Upton was a great church and good people. But we had a lot of issues there. And ministers get hurt just like people get hurt. And uh, I left Upton, went to Washington. It was a healing place. Loved it. The youth pastor at Mountain View Christian Center. Guess where his grandpa pastored and started a church? In Upton. Guess who his aunt and uncle were? My old presbyter. Small world. And I felt all these feelings start coming back up again. I went to prayer the next day. And the lady in our church, Mary, it, just, it was just Mary and I at prayer time, which I haven't started here. I need to start prayer time. But we, we were at prayer time. And she goes, Pastor, have you ever dealt with unforgiveness? And boy, I was, it was like God was nailing me, right? He was, he, was, he was reading my mail. And we talked. And I, I called all those guys that week and, and, and said, listen, please forgive me for the way I acted. And I forgive you. And that released me. So then when we were candidating here, I can't get away from Upton. Merle's good friends and grew up with the guy that took my place in Upton. Larry Savage. 
And I thought about that. And I told Stacy after we interviewed, I said, can I not get away from that place? <laughs> it, he had, oh, I'm good. I like Larry Savage. And his wife was so sweet. Those two are a great couple. But God was dealing with me. So when that happened, all these memories started flooding up again. And God was saying, you need to let go. And we have got to do that. And God will keep bringing those things to your, you cannot run from it. If you try to run from a problem, guess what? It will follow you. Yes. So listen, pure religion is keeping a tight ring on our tongue. And if you're a talker like me, sometimes that can be a problem. And I'm just being honest. Yeah. If you're an introvert, that's okay. We all have different personalities. Introverts are quiet. And when they say something, it's good. Right? Most of the time, I, I can't speak for anybody, but I, she looked at my wife, looked at me. She's the introvert. She's like, you better say something nice. I better keep a tight ring on my tongue while I'm up here. But for me, I'm an extrovert. I like to talk. And sometimes when I'm upset or I'm angry, I talk too much. And you don't realize what you say, and it can be hurtful. And you don't mean it a lot of times. It's just learning to put a tight ring. A tight ring, if you go into chapter 3, he's talking about reining in your tongue. You know, your tongue is like the rudder of a ship or a rein on a horse. Learning to rein that in. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become what? Angry. He's, I wonder if James struggled with this. A lot of preachers or a lot of pastors or even the epistles, you got to wonder, did they struggle in this? And that's why they talked about it. Peter goes on later on, and he mentions some things in the book of Peter that he did in the book of Acts. And he did later on, uh, or he did early on with Jesus. So I've got to wonder if James struggled with this, and he had learned that lesson. The next one is take care of orphans and widows. If you see somebody that's a widow or an orphan, bless them. Take care of them. If there's some widows in our church, we need to get some ladies around them and just love on them. Because they're alone. We have... Stacy, how many do we have? Like 10? 10 of wit, about 10 widows and one widower up in the church up there. And the one thing I kept getting is I feel lonely. I feel like I'm by myself and nobody's around me. Surround those people. Love on them. Call them. Let them know that you care about them. Bless them. Take them out to eat. Take them out for a cup of coffee. Just be kind to them. The next one is don't be polluted by the world. Don't let... And it, it, it concerns me about, and I'm not going to pick on the church because it's God's church. But I'm seeing a lot of the world come into the church. Yeah. And we're not affecting the world like we should. This was about 15 years ago. I'm almost done. I know I've gone over a little bit tonight. But about 15 years ago, Pentecostal Evangel came out with a study. And the study was that, uh, that the, church, the church today, there, our impact in the community is not where it used to be. In fact, we're, we're following in line with Europe. Europe, Scotland right now is 3% born-again Christians when it used to be a born-again country. Germany is almost completely atheist now. Where did Martin Luther sign the 95 Thesis? And the United States is following the suit. They, 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 and we've already seen it now in the United States where we're turning churches into pubs and housing. And, and so you're seeing that. So... We need to start affecting our world. That's why you always hear me about preaching the gospel. The next one is don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. And, and love on each other. Remind people, hey, look, this person's made in the image of God. And it's hard sometimes. 
especially with these panhandlers. I admit there's times I don't know. Are they, are they really there? I remember they did a study, this before we moved from Tulsa, and they did a thing, and they followed, the news followed this guy. He had a brand new pickup. He had clothes. He would put on panhandlers' clothes and go out on the thing, and, and that's how he made his money. So I get it. I mean, it's, it's tough. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. And then finally, put your, put your, put your religion into practice. Put your religion into practice. That's what James is saying. And he's saying it to all of us. Yeah. I'm not sitting there saying, you do this and not me, because it's all of us, right? right? So that's what we're here for tonight. With every head bowed, every eye closed here tonight. You know, I'm looking around here, and I know most everybody in here is saved. I believe you are. And you may ask, well, Pastor, why do you always give an altar call? Because I've had some people that never really truly gave their life to Jesus. Here tonight, and you would say, Pastor, that's me. I've never truly surrendered my life to Jesus. I've gone to church my whole life. I know all about it. Your mama and daddy's faith is not going to save you. It has to be your own. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your life to him? And only you can answer that question. If you're not saved tonight and you want to get saved, raise your hand. Everybody's saved in here. Yeah, are you here tonight and you'd say, Pastor, I just need prayer tonight. I, I'm discouraged. I'm going through some difficulties and I just need somebody to pray with me. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I want to pray. So be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dismiss us and those people that raise their hand. I'm going to just come and I'm going to pray with you tonight. I love you guys. Bless you. I guess you can raise your heads up now. <laughs> Sorry. Some of you guys are like, can I do it now? You know, it's heads up, seven up. But hey, thank you for coming tonight. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to be looking at some more typology. Uh, there's one I forgot that I missed about in Exodus 19. So if you get a chance, go read that where the elders went up and Moses went up and God came down. So with the trumpet call. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you on Wednesday. Thank you.